0: Hello and welcome to Happy Place, the podcast where I, Fern Cotton, sit down for a cup of tea with some wonderful, inspiring people and see how they keep it all together. We are back for another run of shows to take you all the way to Christmas. We'll be there to cheer you up as the nights get cold and dark. And what better way to put the spring back into your step than time in the company of Mr. Gary Barlow.
1: I've never really been in my life ever a very athletic person, but the, the day it all sort of started to turn and tip the scales was when I went for a run. I got those Powerful. lovely endorphins. They come mm. into my head and hang on. I feel I haven't felt like this for years, <laughs> and it was like this is it. The switch is the switch is flipping.
0: He was so open and honest with me, even down to how nervous he was to open up about it all.
1: Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today.
0: And now, here's the show. looking forward to recording today i am off to meet a lovely old mate of mine mr gary barlow i've not seen him for a while actually but um we've had some really lovely times together over the years i've interviewed him a lot he's done live lounges radio one for me we climbed a mountain together which was an extraordinary experience and as you would probably imagine if you like listening to his music or you've watched him on the telly he is exactly as you would hope he's just a blimmin' decent chap, and he's got a great new book out called A Better Me, which I absolutely loved reading. I gobbled it down so quickly, and I'm really looking forward to just unpicking a few of those stories from that book and getting to know my mate Gary a little bit better, I guess. There he is, Captain Marlowe. Oh, sorry, keep you waiting. I've been a two oh, seconds. Look
1: at you, oh, <laughs> you don't look any different last time I saw you. This is nice. It's it's very nice just to see you. Oh, it's just lovely to see, see you. I haven't
0: seen you for so long. I know. I, I don't know. even know when it last was.
1: T- time is concerning me nowadays that, that like our meeting today, I, I'm, I see people and go, it's 10 years ago. What's happened? Where Weird. have we been?
0: Well, Kilimanjaro was nearly 10 years ago, so I it'll know. be 10 years in Feb, right?
1: That fabulous day we saved Africa. I know. Isn't that something? That's how I always start. <laughs> we did our my, bit. My, The kids always yawn. You know, You know when I climb Kilimanjaro and save the world, and they all roll their eyes at the same time.
0: My husband rips the piss out of me constantly by going, oh, when you climbed Killy, because I call it Killy, which is really oh, you obnoxious. You've got to shorten it, because yeah. yeah. that means you've done it. <laughs> I know. Do you know.
1: If you haven't done it, you've got to call it the full name. Yeah, yeah.
0: or K2 if you're really cocky. Um, but we did have <laughs> such a good experience. Yep. I loved that climb. So yep. thank you for asking me all those years ago. Oh, um, I love your new book. Thank you. But the one thing that shocked me, because I sort of thought, oh, I know Gary Barlow. You know, I, I know what he's like, and mm. I know he's a good guy. And, you know, when we had been out socially for dinner or whatever, I would always kind of look at you and go, he's, you know, Mr. Shiny Pop Story's got it all sussed. He's a proper adult. He hasn't got any mental struggles going on. And, of course, that's never the case, is it?
1: Never the case. Never. never.
0: And I'd really underestimated your own battle mm-hmm. with... F- is it is it food or body image? Which one would you say it is? Well,
1: that's the question, really. Yeah. <laughs> it flips it. I mean, I still think I'm figuring out what the deal is, really. Mm. I mean, nowadays, I kind of live and and eat, and exist the way I do, just because I, well, a few things really, I enjoy it, it keeps me healthy, and I feel good. You know, when you really forget those weeks when you're on top of everything, you know, the hydration, and and it's usually while I'm on tour, because I've really got to look after myself on tour, then I do feel amazing, and it makes all the pain of going through the education and learning, getting things wrong, getting things right... It makes it feel worthwhile because I know how to live a really good existence without being, I've gone past those years now. You, you know, um, th- there was a few years ago when I started on this, I started to learn about sort of healthy food and feeling better when I wouldn't touch anything. Mm. Like, don't even bring milk near me <laughs> if that even is in the same room. But I'm a bit more relaxed now mm. um, than I used to be. But, but, you know, generally I stay pretty much on the straight and narrow.
0: You're saying that, you know, it has been a real education and yep. you did go through every diet that has ever been invented and you'd read every book that mm-hmm. had ever been written about food. Yep. Can you remember the age that you first felt confusion about food or felt like you didn't understand what you were meant to be eating?
1: It was quite late for me because there was a few stages during the band period where record company people would say to me, ''Oh, we think you're a bit heavy, can you lose some weight?'' And I I don't know, I just think I went out and danced a bit harder on stage for a couple of weeks and Mm. it's gone. Yeah. It's that quick when you're sort of in your 20s.
0: How did you feel about that though, people just saying that to your face? Because it's not particularly normal or nice to receive that sort of information about yourself.
1: No, it wasn't nice, Mm. but you just took it away and get on with it. And that's pretty much how life was then, I think. We were just told things by grown-ups and people in power and we'd just do them. Um, and that you know we were constantly being reminded how lucky we were and um, <laughs> meanwhile earning all these people loads of money yeah. we hadn't quite made that yeah. calculation at that point but yeah we just did what we were told really mm-hmm. those those sort of n- between 90 and 96 I think Robbie was actually the first one to work out hang on a minute
0: yeah. I'm paying for all you
1: <laughs> he was one of the first to bring it up and we were like
0: oh yeah oh that makes sense yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: and did that level of fame because it was ridiculous you were known the world over and everyone was talking about take that it was huge and I'm sure that it felt very much like you were in a bubble for those years how did that impact your your eating and your well-being
1: the bottom line for me is that life has been great it yeah. really has and I appreciate all of it now with with anything that brings you so many great things there's got to be has to be a downside somewhere I believe that when we sort of it all kicked off for us in 91, I, I feel like for the next 10 years for me, just someone sort of went pause on any sort of personal growth, even mentally, really. You're just then part of a this crazy merry-go-round that you're just trying to desperately hold on to. I mean, even to the... I, I was sort of worse than... Every, I, 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 I almost took it more serious than everyone else in a way that it's all I did mm. every day. Everyone else sort of went off on holidays and things. I didn't even take holidays. I was just like, work, work, work. And it was just like life just paused. Um, and I stopped learning... Anything other than music, I wasn't interested in learning about, Um even friends and stuff, I sort of lost all my friends in that period because I was just so obsessed with getting to where I wanted to get to.
0: And is that because you were scared to fail or because there was such a passion that it was just a, a, a sort of an unstoppable drive that you had to, to go with?
1: Yeah, because fa- fail never came into my mind at that yeah. point. It was It's that sort of like um, o- almost obnoxious sort of uh, courage and... You know, and, and and that's what to me makes great songwriters is like when you've got the wind under your wings and you're king of the world, you're writing your best songs mm. because there's no boundaries, and you're gonna say, "I shouldn't do that." Oh, but I can. Yeah. Yeah. It, they're 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 the they're the golden times. It's like a football club when they're just you know breezing through the Premiership. The look follows them round because they're mm. just confident. So. I loved it because of that. The, the latter part of the 90s was, 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 was more of a struggle, uh, which eventually led to the point in the early 2000s when I sort of woke up one day and I just realised I'd put all this weight on and I hadn't got a clue where to start.
0: And that's the day you call Fat Day.
1: Yeah, Fat Day. <laughs> um, I think more so than the physical... The mental was horrible. Yeah. It was horrible. It, it was like having cotton wool in your ears a bit. Mm. You're a little bit removed from life. I was at a time where I had like a two-year-old. I think our daughter was three months old. I just felt like life was just, it was too much. Yeah. It was just all too much. And then alongside it, this huge weight issue and the behavior that went around that as well. It's a funny subject, and it was why I wanted to write about it in so much detail as a man, because men never talk about these things. They
0: don't. That's why I loved this book, because it was a really refreshing story to hear. Yeah. You, you know, a lot of women are quite open about their struggles with weight and food or body image, and it's very much in the media a lot of the time, even yeah. on a subconscious level. But for for you as a very successful male figure in the public eye, it was... It was, a, you know, a, such an insight into to what that felt like. And perhaps it, it is very similar to how a lot of women feel, but mm-hmm. you articulated it in such a way that I think many people are going to massively connect with that bit of the book.
1: Yeah, it was really Im- important. It, it was. It, it's a sign of the times in a way and a really good positive sign of today um, because I actually did an autobiography in 2006-ish, yeah. And I was actually told by the publishers and my management, I said, oh, don't talk too mm-hmm. much about that. You're a singer. People want to look at you and feel happy. Yeah. They just want good times. Or they don't want all this dark stuff. And it was really important to put that in this book because the world's ready for it now. The world is really ready for that sort of honesty.
0: So you went with that shift. You could feel that subconscious shift and thought, "Yeah, this is the time. Because I, I very much experienced the same thing before I wrote Happy, which was my first book. I, again, had a similar sort of feeling like the people around me were sort of going, oh, keep this on the low. You know, not forcing me to, but, you know, just keep it to yourself because yep. once that information's out there, there's no going back. And again, like you, I definitely felt a shift in just the the, the sort of public arena of how people were talking about it. Yeah. And I thought, I haven't really got anything to lose by saying yeah. this. And I think you then realise how connective that information is. And a lot of other people go, oh, God, I... I feel like that too, and, yeah. and I think that's that's certainly going to be the reaction to to your words. Is that so many men out there will go, God, I've I've been there, i felt like that. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, I hope so. And and the other big thing for me is that that weight never suited me; it never felt right. Uh, but what I don't want to come across is by saying to anyone who's maybe overweight, you should lose weight because. Yeah. I mean, I've got so many friends. Who, it actually suits them, yeah. being a bit heavier. And they're happy. They're happy. Yeah. They never talk about it. I think they're happy, a lot yeah. of them. Yeah. But but that's fine as yeah. well. It just never worked for me. I think that that struggle in men, and you look around our, our country, I look around our audiences, men struggle with weight. Mm. They struggle with it, but they never quite get it under control. Mm. Um, not. I'm not even professing I've got it under control, but... I'm definitely better off than I was in 2003.
0: Yeah, you found your balance. Because, you know, when you you were talking about all those fad diets that you were doing where you were eating weird sort of space bars and drinking loads of artificial sweeteners and, and now your ethos is very much... You know, natural food that hasn't been tampered with, and and before you just didn't know that yeah. all these artificial sweeteners but and they're diet still drinks. around, though. Of course they are, but the, a lot of people still don't. I feel like, like hear it's it.
1: worse than it ever was. I know, and, I know. And, and and the the other thing with all of these things is we're so you know, we're so media-hungry now, yeah. and they're the worst, because mm. you read the papers today and it'll go, do 50 sit-ups every day, everyone, and you're going to lose 14 stone, and then tomorrow it'll be, don't do sit-ups, bad for your back. Mm. And it's so confusing. Mm. It's like the, there's, there's a responsibility within within media for millions of other things but this issue is one of the biggest issues we have in the world at the moment western world and and it needs dealing with properly and we've got so many there's so many people who know what they're doing now the doctors are better you know the 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 information that we have with the nutrition it's better than it's ever been and they're out there they're around they're on instagram and places but they're not they're not shouting loud enough i don't think because people aren't they're still where I was in two thousand and three. Mm. I see it all yeah. over my Twitter. People yeah. constantly. I don't know where to start, and it's like I'm. I'm not the. I've not qualified to tell you where to start, mm. um, but I wish we could find. A, I, I'm hoping again that, that that a lot of these words that I talk about, it makes people's voices get louder for for helping people with with these sort of issues, because they they can kind of, like, you can have them for life.
0: There's a big game-changing moment for you and food. You basically nicked Jason's friends who were very good at cooking, the now very famous and respected Hemsley sisters, who I love. And I guess it started out as intrigue for you. Mm -hmm. Like, what is all of this mung bean curry malarkey? How did that then lead you to go, I'm going to try that, this seems like... Not a fad diet. This seems like the new me.
1: Yeah, it was really. It was a bit of a light bulb moment for me. And it's funny that it wasn't actually the food that drew me to to what their message was. Um, I, I, you know, Jason's always been extremely healthy. Um, since the first day I I met him, Um, he's always been eating the seeds and he's just always been really informed of, of, you know, been experimenting with food all the way through our career. Um, And he'd met uh, Jasmine and Melissa and, you know, and and he'd said to me, you know, I know you're struggling again. Just just give them half an hour. Just go and listen to them. And it wasn't the food at all that attracted me. It was their passion Mm -hmm. for what they did. And I wasn't expecting it. And I, of course, love passionate people. You know, someone who's so wrapped up in what they do, I've just drawn to it straight away. And it was kind of also... So if you think back to, like, 2010 when I first met them... They were like really slamming these big companies, and you know they're putting this in our food, and they're so I, courageous. It felt, it felt yeah. like, oh, I want a bit of this, yeah, you know. And so I, I started with with them, and and um, and basically very early on, they give me like a complete reset. So so I think I was drinking about nineteen cups of coffee a day at the time and loads of sugar, and all these other things. Um, but gonna, they said, we're going give to you, give you soup for three days and just strip your body of everything. And it was like being on acid.
0: Mm, how bad was that headache?
1: Oh, it wasn't even a headache. It was beyond a body headache. Ache. It was beyond a headache. It was like walking on marshmallows. Oh, my God. And actually, I was starting to go blind. <laughs> I was starting to... I, st- <laughs> I started to go, I can't see now. I, can't. Oh, I mean, it was so bad because I'd just been hooked on this stuff yeah. for so long. Yeah, it's
0: also addictive, all of that fake sweeteners oh, and all that jazz. Yeah. I
1: felt hot sweat. Oh, it was terrible. It was terrible when I came through it. And they always said, it's not a diet, it's not a diet. But, of course, I was weighing myself every day, <laughs> sometimes twice a day. After about a week, i lost nearly... The stone, I mean, mm. the weight dropped off me until to the just to the point where I should have been the weight for my size.
0: But you were eating more and vibrant much colors, more, and much yeah, more. Wonderful. I was full, yeah,
1: you know, which is always something I felt good. You know, full to me used to make me depressed, yeah. I knew I'm full, I'm full, oh, I'm depressed now, mm. you know. So I loved it, loved it. And they always said, rainbow, color of the rainbow, and it was just. I can't ever fill my plates with enough colours and and it's it's just a brilliant thing to discover. I wish I'd have discovered it in my 20s, I really do, Um, but I've I've got there in the end.
0: To reiterate what you're saying about it wasn't you were fat so you were unhappy, you were eating a lot of food, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you were eating a lot of food that was then mentally making you feel bad and actually there was a point in your life where you found a balance or a new way of eating that wasn't a weird fad diet. That was a, a lifestyle. And okay, you may have dropped weight, but actually, something clicked mentally for you yeah. where you went, oh, "I feel better. I yeah. feel all right with myself."
1: Well, I think the one the one thing we haven't talked about alongside with the food was I was depressed at yeah. that time. That that was more serious than any of the the, the symptoms really. Um, and and I, being a man, being a northern man just never told anyone and mm. never, it could have been easier than it was my sort of fight to get back to who I was. But I never asked. Mm. I never asked for help. I didn't really tell my wife, even. You know, she was busy with kids. I was trying to remain the, the pillar in the house that earns the money and yeah. and makes the house strong. And like, don't you start moaning. I've got these two to deal with. Ooh. It's like, I didn't want to... Bring any more problems into the house, so I just kept quiet and got on with it, and and tried to find a way back. And the the day it all clicked for me was I've ne- I've never really been in my life ever a very athletic person, but the the day it all sort of started to turn and tip the scales was when I went for a run. Mm. I got those Powerful. lovely endorphins. Mm. They come into my head and hang on. I feel them. I haven't <laughs> felt like this for years, and it was like this is it the switch is the switch is flipping
0: it's often the case that it's the very obvious simple things in life and we think it's not we think it's going to be a magic spell that someone else is going to tell us you know how to apply to our life or it's going to be a whole life change or something in the future we're going to grab hold of but it is that daily discipline of doing something good for yourself
1: And usually the giveaway I've found of of things that are going to work for you is they're usually free.
0: Yes, they are.
1: They never usually cost anything. Uh, Like running, like sleeping, like going for a walk, like looking at something beautiful, stood on a hill, thinking, Mm. having time. They're all free. Mm. all free. we we've just forgotten about them
0: like with food you could apply that to most other things in life like career family relationships we think that it's something really complex and and something that's far off in the future whereas it is just the basics and and the free stuff and and the good stuff that's right there in front of us you know i certainly learned that lesson after i had a bad patch was it's not all this other stuff over here that i think it is and it's not being massively successful but not even what i deem as successful now but what i thought was success what other people deemed successful it's not that it's it's having a conversation with someone it's you know going for a walk in the park it's eating great food and that's a nice moment when you get to that point a really really nice moment Your life and career have been extraordinary. You know, you've had that success. You've got massive success now. But, of course, there was that chunk in the middle where you didn't feel good. Was that in conjunction with you losing that creativity in that part of your career and and being a cog in that sort of music machine that you were in? Or were there other things afoot?
1: I think there was loads going on. Just to set up slightly what I'm about to say, you know, I started gigging when i was 11 so by the time i joined the band at 19 i'd done thousands of gigs i'd do six seven shows a week sometimes on a sunday afternoon i'd just be a thing i just used to go out on stage that's why i'm never nervous going on stage because i've done it thousands of times Mm. and so when i joined the band then then we had this you know all we did was hit it hard country to country you know and then to be told then, like at the age of 27, you lost your record deal now, and you just go, oh, is that it? I wasn't even gigging, so I wasn't even doing what I used to do in working men's clothes. I mean, it was just like gone. It was gone. Overnight. overnight. And it wasn't just because it was gone. It it was done in such a horrible way, yeah. like the country observed Mm. and and almost had pleasure i felt yeah. like in watching someone rise and someone fail it's such
0: a british thing it's so weird
1: and of course someone wins someone fails i was the one who went downwards it felt like there was no there was never even that crack of light that don't worry give it a couple of years mm. it's it's going to be fine in a couple of years, it let it settle down it, there was never any even consideration of it was just like a can never do this again. What What am I going to do so now? So you'd
0: lost hope at that point. You thought that probably well, won't happen again.
1: Not even probably. It definitely it won't happen again. Wow. And, and to the point where I couldn't put myself through it again. Mm. I was just, I just felt battered, yeah. beaten up, battered, scared. The whole thing had put me into a panic. Mm. I've not just been made redundant and work and gone home with a box. The whole country's seen it. The whole world's seen it happen. So I felt embarrassed. I didn't want to leave the house. When you go out, people would make jokes. And I just didn't want to be me.
0: Isn't that so shit? Considering you'd done like 10 years of amazing work, that that to you felt almost obsolete to your story. It's sort of gone because it was now just about feeling uh, embarrassed and ashamed. Yeah. It's such a shame that you had to feel like that. I
1: was so um, disappointed that that was the end. Yeah. You know, after all the you know, the the journey I'd been on, I thought, oh, God, of all, the, of all the ways for something to finish, you know, just let me finish on a number 30 in the charts even, <laughs> you know, but just like not even that, not even that. Um, so that was like a, that was a big day, that was. Mm. Uh, and I had about three years then of, first year was like blaming everyone,
0: mm. you
1: know, and then the second year, blaming myself. And then the third year, Thinking, I could get myself back up and do it all again, but then realizing it, could, it was just a mixture of like confusion and and then the one the one thing that I still had was I, I used to go um, a lot into the studio and I just used to play the piano for hours. Mm. I mean, to, to there was like blisters on me. I still loved sitting and playing music, mm. and I thought, you know what? The the only thing I can do now is go back to like what what started all this. What Why did I end up in this situation? What got me there? I thought, his music got me there. I I could write songs. I could sing a bit. Let's go back to that. Let's see if I can go back and make that good again. Because it's not good at the moment. If I could make that good again, I've got a chance of doing something for the rest of my life. And we did a few years um, where I worked with a few bands. We had some records in the charts. I sometimes didn't put names on some of the records I made. And what I didn't realise was that was preparing me for the second coming of the band. Mm. So, so so, when that happened and that opportunity arose, I was kind of back up on my feet enough, not, not fully, but enough to be able to have the confidence to go, hey, listen, guys, I think we can do this. Mm. I, I had enough of a voice by that point where I could at least utter that to everybody.
0: And you had a bit of hope at that point that maybe we could do this again and it will work?
1: Yeah, I think we had we had a very small bit of hope. I mm. mean, if you were to speak to everyone here now, they'd probably say we didn't have any. Mm. But I think we had a little bit. We, we must have done... The one thing when, when it all sort of started and we started having meetings and things, the one thing we always said when all the grown-ups left the room, we used to say, we don't want to look desperate, do we? We were just really determined mm. we didn't want to look desperate. Mm. That was the one thing we said, if it ever felt desperate, let's not do it.
0: But you so didn't, and you no, went on it... to have the biggest selling tour in the UK in history. So there was none of that at all. You just managed to do it, and that's again maybe rooting back to the fact because you just loved the music and you wanted just you simply as a band wanted to do that again.
1: Yeah, I think the the anchor, thankfully, has been music. Yeah, and and I look back over sort of any of these hard periods. I mean, I always think of of people who are successful and they're well known, and if they've not got that thing that takes them, you know, what is the core of what I do? Oh, I've been on Big Brother. It's no wonder that life's hard because music takes you back to a place where, like when I sit at this piano, it's the same piano that every songwriter has to sit in front of. It's not going to do anything more special for me than anyone else. You've got to work at it. Yeah. You've got to use your years of experience to, to, to sculpt and write something uh, that you think's good. So it's like no one gets a head start with music. It's back to the drawing board and it's, and it's, you know, you just empty your brain and hope it's good.
0: So looking back at that period where things were tough, you know, sandwiched between this immense success of now and the past. Can you look at back at that period now and, and see lessons learned and see how that changed you as a person and sort of see, I guess, almost a silver lining to, to why you had to experience that bad time?
1: um of course now yeah i i it's precious to me that time and the, and the sort of being as low as i was meant that when it came back and it felt good it, even forgetting all the uh, you know the band stuff and the awards and stuff but like if i just stripped that away like being a happy family yeah. you know be, being being in the house with the kids feeling like a normal person like a normal dad One of the things the kids always said was that when I was fat, I used to just sleep all day because I was—I was lethargic. I didn't want to play football, and they almost can name the day when I I changed my eating habits. I started to exercise more. I was just alive. Mm. I just all of a sudden was present, and I think that you know that that mindset and of being sort of happy within in, in our bodies and in in our heads. You forget how it affects everyone else. Mm. You know, we're so involved in what we want. And it's like this affects the whole room, the whole house. Yeah. So just being a, a happy family from that period was just felt like a massive achievement to the point you know where we were so happy we thought we're too happy let's have another baby
0: (laughs) let's ruin that lovely luxurious sleep we're getting and have another one
1: we're having far too much sleep we're not arguing enough let's have another baby (laughs)
0: that'll do it yeah you know i think in this modern age we're all really scared of failing because you know again we can point fingers at social media or the media or whatever but really a lot of us just do feel that fear, like we want to be successful, whatever that means in a bespoke way to us, and we're really scared of failing. And I personally am, but I've had moments of failure and I've had moments where I haven't been as successful, and then and great moments again. And like you, I can look at nearly all of them and see the reason they were there. Mm-hmm. Some of them still, it's hard, and I go, well, why do I have to go through that? But a lot of them I can go. I get it, I get what I learned there, and I understand the importance of failure. Do you think that people don't believe that enough, that there is something quite enriching about experiencing a period of life like that?
1: You know what, I think it's... I think if you live in life, it's absolutely inevitable there's going to be failure, and you have to accept that, and it's shit, and you you wished it wasn't there, but I can't name you one person... That's that's had a measurable career and hasn't had. Mm. It's just not that's normal. That's
0: the myth. That's the myth, isn't it? That we look and think they've had a perfect life over yeah. there, and there is there's no exception to no. that rule. Everyone's no. been through it,
1: definitely, to some degree or yeah. the other. Listen, I'd rather not been through it if I'm honest. Of course, but I'd be a. Diff- I guess I'd really be a different person now than who I am. But thank you know, thank God for it.
0: And I also think just people hearing your story and going. Oh, Gary Barlow, who's got this amazing, successful life, is fallible. You know, he's had moments that haven't been so great, and he's talking about it, and that's cool. And I think that element of communication is, you know, like we said at the start, people are starting to talk more about, you know, issues, times that they've felt were difficult, and that can only be a good thing. I don't think there's ever a downside to that.
1: No one's ever the same. Everything always moves and changes, and, like, at the moment, I'm having huge anxieties around interviews. Like, I didn't sleep last night. Well, because of this? Because of this. Oh, piss off. I, I, honestly, I'm, <laughs> I, it, it's like the weirdest thing with me at the moment. Really? It, it's like the fear of, uh, like, if I could just do music and write songs, it'd be happy, all right. Happy. I'd be all right. Yeah. I could go on stage. Every... But it's so volatile, mm. this world. I, I'm talking about social media yeah. and that holding this mic. It's like a tie, it's like a Twitter. It's like a it's a weapon of mass destruction. You yeah. know, you see people who've had a 50-year career in one tweet destroy and and it's an anxiety I have mm. at the moment. I get
0: that. I totally totally get that. And I think because Twitter or Instagram is essentially people's thoughts manifested into actual writing, it yep. feels more important whereas of course Even when you were like massively, you know, starting out in your career, massively famous back in the take that days, you know, new boy on the scene doing your thing. People would have had all these different thoughts. They like you, they don't like you, whatever. But you would never know about them. But now we have to see them. And that goes for anyone in the public eye or not, that it is a new cultural anxiety that we're all feeling. Yours is heightened because you've got loads of people knowing what you're doing the whole time. But I think everyone is a bit on edge because of that. Everyone's watching them voyeuristically and everyone's, judging a lot more and yeah. that's a, a weird bad habit I think we've all got into yeah
1: the, the, the judging having been a judge on X Factor is a <laughs> yeah. weird thing they say but <laughs> the, ju- the judging is off the scale yeah it's almost like it's going back to the Roman days. It is. It's like, oh, kill him.
0: Yeah, you're in the arena. Quick. You know, there's been this weird boost of people communicating in a beautiful way, but yeah. there's been, the caveat to that is a weird boost of people communicating in a bad way. It's yeah. communication free for all, and it's got great positives, but also some really harsh downsides. And, yeah. and I'd, you know, it's almost refreshing to hear you say as successful and professional as you are that that would still affect you mm. that, you know is that because you're a sensitive person by nature or just that you've got you know you have hope and goodwill for the world and you, you don't want to see that kind of speech.
1: I've been on social media for about five years maybe now and I was you know I was told you have to have a Twitter account I was Mm. on X Factor at the time you've got to have Twitter otherwise you won't get any votes (laughs) it's like really? (laughs) So I was like thrust this thing on my phone what does this thing do and Mm. and it terrifies me it really does I look at it sometimes and it looks a little bit like the devil Mm -hmm. sat on my my phone
0: I'm grateful so grateful that I started my career at 15 where there was no social media because I I think I would have lasted about two months if social media had been around. I would have gone, yeah. not for me, thanks. Yeah, Don't if, I was young, if I
1: was younger, I'd have been terrible on it.
0: I can certainly see why for some people it can be debilitating yeah. if, there's, if they haven't got that anchor in their world. I
1: remember being round at Rob's house one night and he said, uh, oh, I'm just reading an article on me and he was flicking down the page. He said, have you ever done this and go down? And I was like, what does that mean? He went, underneath this article, this oh. There's quotes of things people say, and no. I said, "Are you going to go down?" He went, "If I do, I probably won't sleep tonight." <laughs>
0: Don't go down,
1: Rob. He, he went down.
0: Oh no! It's the <laughs> worst so we you were laughing,
1: do. but I think it's just the way we're built as people mm. is that like there's a thousand beautiful comments. You are the yes. best. You you sang like an angel tonight, and then there's that one. one, one. You know. I want my money back. Yeah. That was the worst. Th- and that's the one. I that's can still one. remember it. Yeah. I can still remember the handle. Isn't
0: that awful? I <laughs> still remember the handle. <laughs> Isn't it bad, though? Say it. Don't say it. Isn't it bad, though, that um, that one tiny comment is yep. louder than thousands of others? But Why it is, is so- that?
1: And I think people know it.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So... Anyway.
0: And what does success mean to you today and how does that differ to what you originally viewed success as?
1: I mean, what I've tried to do, especially in the last few years, is like only do things I really want to do. Yeah. Like not just things I want to do, I really want to do and don't do any of the other stuff. At the end of the day, I love to sing. I love to go on stage. I love to write music. And if I I could just do that, I know I can't just do that. But if I could, I would.
0: Mm, So that's success now. I think so. Looking back to when you were in uh, Take That, and it was instant success, you know, you guys, although you, you did your personal slogging for years, yeah. once Take That hit the ground, you were off. You guys were huge. Did you believe you were successful then? Did you believe there was another stratosphere to reach?
1: We were so ambitious mm. as a group, we couldn't get enough. Mm. And it was like, where do we conquer next? And so it sort of kept us on the straight and narrow in a way. It, it meant that when we worked, we were really good at it. We we never ever did an interview where we couldn't be bothered or someone was young. We were really professional. till so the end of that first stretch, you know, even when Rob went off, and I know he went crazy for a bit, but underneath it all, he was still a professional. He still shook hands with the right people and was on the right shows and... You know, and again, we came back to it. As professionals, again, we've always taken our work really seriously, never took it for granted, always remembered that there's an audience out there, and, you know, OK, we meet. it may be Wednesday night and we're in Sheffield, but it's the same as being at the O2 in London. You know, we've always never made anything more important than anything else. If there's an audience out there, we're going to give it 150%.
0: When you are mega busy like now, and there's a bit in the book where you you write about this crazy period where you're on X Factor, you're touring, you've got a new album coming out, you're organising the Jubilee, you know, it's high pressure. And you're having to fly to Wembley and then you're having to get motorbikes everywhere and it's completely busy. How in that time did you make sure that you kept yourself mentally and physically feeling well?
1: Well, you know what? At that time, I wished I had some of the information I've got now because it's, it's happened in layers for me. Yeah. The very shallowest bit was when I just thought, oh, i just look too heavy, I've got to lose some weight. Weight Watchers, Atkins, any unhealthy way of losing weight, I'm in, I'm in. Just something quick. What, vodka only, no food, brilliant, I'm in, <laughs> you know, anything. And the bit I was missing, so at that period you're just talking about, I was a headless chicken wasn't making the best decisions. I was a, I was running, but I was nearly falling at the mm. same time. So it was good and it was busy, but I wasn't at my healthiest. I wasn't sleeping well at that time. But if I had all the things that I've learned in the last few years, I'd have been able to have done that a far more relaxed and probably have enjoyed it more because mm. I don't with any of these busy periods take that the first time round that period of jubilee sort of time Robbie coming back to the group. Those busy times, I've never enjoyed them because I always felt the stress of them too much. They always oversized me. It was always a lot of weight and I could have definitely simplified that with with the brain I've got now.
0: So what important things do you have now that you have to have in place to ensure that when you've got all this crazy stuff going on, you're still, you know, fulfilling all of your passions and that creative outlet? How are you staying mentally and physically healthy?
1: Yeah, because the mental side is the last bit of the jigsaw for me. The the actual getting control of here, which should have been first. Mm. If I'd have got control of here, my head first, I think the rest would have been easy. But it's it's happened the other way around for me. I got control of my physical side and later on the, the mental side coming. And it comes with making time for yourself in a day because we're all... We've all, all got demands, especially if you've got kids. They all want a piece of you. Mm-hmm. And then the home needs a piece of you. And then if you're in a situation where I'm in, you know, I'm have I've got, I've got, i in a band. So I've got bandmates. I've got, you know, a record company that relies on me. I've got a publishing company. I've got three musicals, each having about 100 people in them in each production. So you, you start thinking of <clears> the arms reaching for you. And that's a lot. That's a lot, that is. So actually carving out on a daily basis some time to just go I'm either going to read or I'm just going to lie down with with a, with a bit of music in my ears and I love the meditation I really mm. I've got into that or or the other thing is is going back to exercise it's doing some light exercise but like in your head not not with a group just you by yourself even if it's 20 minutes It can keep me going for a whole day.
0: Yeah, it's so important. I've been really thinking about meditation a lot recently, and I do dip in and out of it, and I do love meditation. But I'm really starting to understand the need for it in the context of, of what you're talking about. That just having, like you say, only 20 minutes where it's just you, and either you're dealing with all those thoughts or you're letting them come and you're letting them go again. Yeah. And I'm just getting the real importance of that now. Having sort of dabbled over the last probably five years of doing a bit of meditation here and there, it's starting to click now. How do you think that's changed how you live your life?
1: Oh, it's changed it beyond belief, really. Honestly, mm. and you know what? The thing is that it comes with this tag of being a bit hippie. Mm. You know, this this you know, I'm a bloke from the north for Christ's sake, and I'm meditating. <laughs> Forget the word meditation for a minute and just think of it like that. a minimum 30 minutes is usually. If it's less than 30 minutes for me, it's not that valuable. So if I have 30 minutes of doing anything where it's just me, so it could be reading, but it takes a little bit too much of my mind. Because when I'm reading, I'm imagining the music that would go with this scene and then I'm imagining <laughs> the characters and how they'd look. And so my mind goes a little bit too busy with reading sitting looking at the ocean you know sitting look at a beautiful view somewhere but time for you is the important mm. bit i think i think it's time for you and if you think about our days you know we're moving round and we don't really ever stop no we never stop moving so just like lie on the floor with your feet on the sofa and either just put some classical music on or just something that takes you out of the world for yeah. thirty minutes. Mm. just just come out of the world that's all it is and then if you want to put the strap meditation on it, that's fine. But for me, it's like just I just want to just i 'm going missing everyone I'll, I'll see you in half an hour. I just come out of the world for 30 minutes, it's so valuable, it's mm. so unbelievably valuable.
0: I like the guided meditations, I do quite a lot of them online, especially if I get insomnia. Is listening to someone else tell me what I need to do physically yeah. and mentally to block everything out. out? Yeah, that is really powerful. One for yeah. me, I absolutely love yeah. that, and I also like the fact. Like you, I found some loopholes in meditation. So rather than it being like sat on the floor omming, it mm. is running with no music or it, it is going for a walk or a swim, but you're just counting or, or just trying to create a bit of a void in yep. that absolute busyness it's Space, so key. space, Space,
1: yeah. Uh, running, I agree. <clears> That's <throat> actually one of my favourite ways of, if I've ever got a problem, like, all right, I need to, ooh, who do I call? Ooh, I'll go for a run first. Yeah. Because I've usually got the answer by the time I get back. It's a great way. And it's not about losing calories. It's not about any of those things. It's about sorting your head out. In fact, at the moment, I'm working particularly hard because I'm actually planning a year off. a Oh, sabbatical. love it. Yeah. Love I think, it. I think that it's that, listen, I don't, this, this sounds, you know, there's so many people out there who have to work every yeah. day and the, yeah. the, the idea of it, it just isn't, you know, but I've, especially the last five years, I've particularly been working harder because I want to earn myself some serious time off. And it might only be six months in reality, but there's stuff I want to do and, and it's stuff that I don't want to do when I'm of an age when I can't do some of it anymore. I want to do it now. I don't know what's around the corner for any of us, but there's things I want to do other than music and what I do, which I've never had chance to do. I feel like sometimes I'm just on the run the yeah. whole time. Yeah. You know, oh, we're in New York on Friday. Oh, you must come and see. Oh, I've not got time for that because I've got a flight the next day. And it's like I'm always
0: running, You want to live a bit of just random life. And also, don't forget, you know, you didn't have that. I'm going to go on a gap here. I'm going to go to uni where you do maybe have a bit of that life experience. You went straight into work as a child. So you're almost sort of doing that bit now, I guess.
1: Yes. Yeah. I definitely feel like I haven't really stopped. I did stop at the late. 90s, but that was for a different reason, and it never felt like a holiday. That didn't. We well, really were quite didn't.
0: imprisoned in your own house, weren't yeah. You? But you didn't want to leave, yeah, so you that, couldn't go out and live. It
1: felt more like torture than yeah. time off. Yeah. So yeah, I feel I feel that you're right. I started work at eleven, and I haven't really stopped. You know, I want to. There's lots of things I want to do. There's, there's a million things I want to do, mm. um, and so I'm looking forward to that.
0: That is bloody lovely. Could be it's cool, be couldn't amazing. it? So but the trouble cool. is, then
1: I start thinking could be a series this <laughs> oh yeah it's called sabbatical men in the 40s late 40s taking time to the no hang on i'm working now
0: oh no Get on the phone to the No, <laughs> not allowed you gotta ban yourself yeah gary thank you so much welcome for having this chat it's been an absolute joy to have you on happy place so thank, thank you. you
1: thank you so much nice to see you again
0: Oh, a massive thank you to Gary Barlow. We love you, Barlow. His book, A Better Me, which is just so brilliant, is out right now. It's wonderful. You've got to read it. Now, if this is your first experience of Happy Place, hello, welcome aboard. You should definitely hit subscribe in your podcast app. We'll be back next week with a wonderful interview with my dear friend, Chris Helenga. I thought that happiness only came through other people and not through my own doing. And suddenly having a reason to exist through starting the charity gave me so much life and so much reason to fight. Search for us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Entail and all the many other podcast apps that are out there. Thanks again to the wonderful Gary Barlow, to the producer Matt Hill at Rethink Audio and of course you, gorgeous lot, for listening. I'll see you next week.